This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. In, um, we're holding over here in the fourth parak. Now, as I said before, the, the third and fourth parak, the Rambam is sketching out his understanding of the world um, yeah, take one of the world in its entirety. The reason for it is because the Rambam says to to be drawn to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, which is the midst of Ava, a person needs to have an overwhelming sense of everything the sense of what the world is like in society. When a person has some sense of it, a person is drawn to God and it's a person is overwhelmed by it. So the Rambam said, I'm going to give you my great, um, what's the right word for it? My general understanding of cosmology. In, in the Rambam's understanding, nature um, from the macro, um, from, from the macro nature down to micro nature down to theology are all part of one parcel. So we saw in three he describes the big picture of the stars and everything around the um, uh, uh, everything around the uh, um, world. Now he's going to this. Then he spoke about the four elements, which was fire, water, earth, and air. And then he says, um, this is all in, in the fourth chapter. He speaks about um, the, the, the different elements, how they combine, and so on. I'm, I'm going to pick out some of those points, which are important points and significant for us. The Rambam's map of the, of the size of the world is something we don't have an easy time with, and it's really not halacha per se. So, but I, there are some points that are very significant. Let's take a look in the fourth parak. It's going to be Gimel. The Rambam says everything in the world is a compound of the elements. The elements the Rambam deals with is earth, water, fire, and air, but we we have that same exact idea except with different set of elements. Everything in the world is a compound of things. Um, Gimel. Anything which is a compound of these different yesodos, lahem who nifrod is going to disintegrate into one of these elements, into all these, into its into its component elements. Sometimes it disintegrates after a few days, sometimes after many years. Um, so if you have a cake, a cake is made of flour and sugar and eggs and so on, leave it for a while, it begins to disintegrate. Um, it disintegrates into some of its components. Um, the, the, the starches and the oils separate um, and so on. Uh, even atoms disintegrate and everything in the world disintegrates because it's not one. The is Anything that is compounded must disintegrate. Even gold 
and possibly copy means he actually has to go back to he has to disintegrate and go back to the Sotos. So we don't have that type of understanding the way he has it. But what is true is nothing sticks around forever. Um, everything falls apart. A person has a car made of strong metal. There's something we call metal fatigue, which is not that the metal got tired, but somewhere along the line, the bonds between the different molecules weakens. And 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 the the Rambam's point is he postulates that which is not inherently itself and it's only bonded, the bonds will fall apart. And that, and that is a big difference between God and anything else. God is one in the sense that it's not a compound of anything it, 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 and God cannot be reduced to something else so it will not be reduced to something else. Everything else is a combination of different things and, and, and even an atom is a combination of parts and different parts of the atom are, have different parts to it. So just a question of time it, since it's not in its simplest state it will go back to its simplest state. Um, it's, it's, it's something the Rambam in Moronavuchim postulates and that's why for death the, the Torah says that when God told Adam Arishon you're going to die he said you come from earth you'll return to earth because whatever it is that you are it's it's a contrivance it's 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 we've taken and constructed something and therefore at some point it will fall apart so even though on the one hand we have a postulate of the conservation of matter and energy that that we can't have less matter than we than we had before in the universe but what we do have is um, the the more sophisticated matter the matter that had been put together will disintegrate. Whereas HaKadosh Baruch Hu is at a simplest level. And that's why we cannot subdivide if we were to subdivide Hashem and say this is Hashem's anger and this is Hashem's goodwill and this is Hashem's so on so those things would come apart at some point. And, and we'd have to, anything that's compound must come apart. So part of the belief in God's unity is identical to the belief in God's eternity. Dalit being that we said that anything that consists that's compounded is going to come apart why is man said you'll go back to earth why don't you say you'll disintegrate because since man mostly consists I'm almost, I, I, you might not have the last line the last line might not be photocopied since um, most of him is earth, it's the last line I'm reading, it just fell off the page. Um, so, so since most of man is earth, that's the primary ingredient that's left over. The local anifsachi, it doesn't immediately disintegrate to the atomic level. There was a slow disintegration. But at the end of the day, everything gets, it comes down to the, um, the simplest level. 
hey. He then says that there is a constant flux. This is a process. It's not one day the metal wakes up and says, you know, this morning I think I'm going to be dust today. I've been metal long enough. Rather, it's a process. It's a wear and tear that is happening constantly. I, I, I want to understand this also in the bigger picture with the Rambam. Bear in mind that in the Rambam's world, and the, true, the truth is that um, theology slash philosophy is not different than reality, than what we call the fact that for us physics is in one department of university and theology is in a different department of university is not is, it was not the Rambam's picture and, and there's a lot of emphasis the way we understand it time when we speak about God as being eternal we speak of it as being timeless what it means is that there is no ongoing process in God when we say God is eternal but um, but but um, rocks are not eternal so it doesn't mean that God that a rock after 9,000 years the rock just wakes up one way disintegrates and God says see you rock I'm, I'm, I'm here for the long haul it's, it means that a rock is never a stationary entity it's constantly um, losing loosening bonds accumulating stuff and whereas God there is no change ever so when we say God is timeless you know it's very hard for us to picture things without times and with times. The closest we can picture uh, time is, I don't know if you were old enough to have read the comics when I did, but Superman used to be able to travel down a timeline. So it was like this timeline and Superman would choose like which exit on the highway got off. Um, which, which is quite a, 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 I mean, it's obviously very silly. I mean, it's, it's good for comics. But, but what it means is time is the dimension of change. In a totally static universe, you couldn't have time. Not you couldn't have time, time is meaningless. Time is uh, the measure of process, whether it's grains of sand falling through an hourglass, whether it's the sun coming around, whether, whether it's a cycle of, of electrons around uh, an atom, or, or it's a spring unwinding. Time, by definition, is the dimension of change. The, the space is the dimension of the static, and time is the dimension of, of change. Since God, there is no change, He's not bound by time. Whereas physical entities are constantly changing. And therefore, um, this change is ongoing. So it's not just, he's describing on one level the physics of the world, but in, in, the, in reality, he's really, really describing some very deep distinctions between what we call the physical and what we call the divine. Okay. And it goes through, you know, everything changes. Um, by the way, there is a, there's a fascinating passage in the Zohar which says, which speaks about time. It says, it says that God, the garments that God wears in the morning, He doesn't wear at night, and the garment that He wears one day, He doesn't wear the other day. Meaning, God appears to the world in different ways. And the Tanya says that is what that that is the cause of time, since God wanted the world to have many different aspects to it, and those different aspects that change actually is time. 
Okay. Then he says um, the, the six in, 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 in I'm skimming through six. He says um, these changes happen as the turn of, of, of the spheres. In other words, the rotation of spheres and so on. Zion um, seven. Laolam enatoroa golam below tsuro tsuro below golam. So Rambam says the next piece of the puzzle. When we when we see everything that we see in the world, we see the thing itself and we perceive its properties. So for instance, if I see a a circle, a piece of wood in the shape of a circle, so everything in the world has substance and form. The substance is a physical reality, the form is a perception that the mind creates. Let's let's give an example in something else will, will, will help us understand it. Imagine in science, a scientist does two things. He sits and he gathers data. So he has this huge database with how many people who I guess who smoke, people who smoke and people have lung cancer. And he puts these little dots on a graph. Those dots are facts. And they're they're like substance. Now, the person looks at at this relationship and a correlation leaves his mind. An emerging pattern. The pattern itself is always in the mind. So you have a very interesting, there is no pattern without pieces. There are no pieces that don't form a pattern, but the pieces are physical entities and the pattern is always a perception that the mind sees. I can't say my eyes see it. The same thing when I look at it as, at a shape. The word the circular, round, um, symmetric, clashing, those are all physical realities that the mind perceives the structure of it. So when he says the world consists of matter and form, substance and form, the substance is what the physical eye sees and the form is what the mind sees. So we're not talking about a physical form like a circle, we're talking about this statue is a statue of Napoleon. Well, a statue of Napoleon has two elements to it. It has the stone and it has the, the the likeness of Napoleon, well, the, the, stone, the stoniness is a physical matter, and that's seen by the eye, even the shape of the nose is also the eye, and the perception of it is the, the is seen in the mind. Um, I'm sure you've all, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a fellow, Alva Sachs, a neurologist, who writes stories about all sorts of fascinating, bizarre cases that he's seen. Very, 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 very 
very entertaining. I mean, it's it's, it's interesting because it, it's sort of. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a bona fide. I mean, he's a real neurologist. He's a very very famous author. And there's a famous book he has, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Um, and this was a person who had a neurological um, condition that his mind picked up the things his eyes saw, but couldn't make out the, the um, he couldn't get the picture out of it. So he couldn't recognize people except by pinning some sort of simple sign on it. So his wife had to wear a peculiar hat, so three angles is his wife. It's like, if I, if I, you know, let's give an example. We think it's curious. It's not at all curious. Let's give an example. If let's say you took an Israeli, or you took an American, let's take an American, the, the, the crown achievement of the human race. And, and, and the crown achievement of the human race. You took an American, and you put him in Israel, and there's no, and there's no Hebrew, and somebody's got to give him instructions on how, on which bus stop to get off. So he's going to tell him, well, it's going to say Tel Aviv. I can't read the sign. You know what? You'll see a sign that has like two blocks of letters, and the first letter it looks like an upside, like a house. So I'll be. So everybody's been looking at the sign, and the vast majority of people will say, "Oh, the sign says Tel Aviv. We're in Tel Aviv." And I'll say when the sign has like two parts and a hole on the bottom of one, that's going to be Tel Aviv. So we both physically see the same things, but we, but 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 our mind reads two different things in it, and and therefore he says the form is the form of the the form of it is in in, in the mind and the substance is in the eye. Um, there's one there's a very famous um, a very famous uh, illustration I, I, by Turing. It's one of those famous things about intelligence of a computer. Does a computer have intelligence or not? So. There's a similar thing. It goes like this. You know, computers even in the old days could do some amazing things. So he gave a marshal, and, and, and sorry, it went as follows. Imagine you, 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 for some misfortune, you ended up in China, and you got a job working in the post office, and you don't know Chinese. So, but you have to select mail, and you have to interact with people giving you all sorts of pieces of paper, this and that. So, so I tell you, listen, you're not going to learn the language now, but you have very good visual memory. So this piece of paper, you give him this piece of paper, and if he gives you this piece of paper, you give him that. Look at the letter, look at those, you, you, you see the picture, yes. So this and this, this and this, this and this, this and this. Um, and I work at it, and, and I, I do it very, very successfully. Can it be said that I know Chinese? Um, because I'm functioning, the answer is no, because there is no awareness of the content of it. So if a computer can, a, a computer, all a computer is, if it's, if you, if you input X, then Y should be the result, and if Y gets Z, and so on, th that's the way in which you get sort of a, um, um, 
a, 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 a message out of it. So it doesn't really mean that it understands it. That was sort of an atheist way. Akapanim, he says everything in the world, the, fo- the substance of it is picked up by the mind. The form is only picked up by the heart. I'm sorry, the substance is picked up by the eyes. And of course, Ches. Nefesh kol basa if we're to ask you what makes a human a human, what is his form? His form is the understanding that God gave him. So it makes a human being a human being is understanding. Vadas and that extra das, das, I wouldn't translate as intelligence, rather understanding, is the it's this person Nema Nas Adam um, So when we're talking about the human um, image being in the image of God, we're not talking about the nose, the eyes, the ears. We're talking about perception, understanding. It is similar. It is of a nature that is divine. Kloma golem. The person has the ability to perceive and understand things that are not physical, things that are abstract. Until, so in essence, it makes it similar. We're not talking about the human form that the eyes perceive. When we say that a man is in God's image, we're not talking about the nose or the or, or, or the features. Shazu toar shema. Selim and toar are two words that are translated loosely as image, but there's a world of difference. Toar is the physical image. How wide the nose, what com- what what color the complexion, and so on. That's toar. We not to say that somebody has the Torah of God is Kira. God does not have a Torah. When we speak about Selim, Selim is, is would be translated loosely to the, like the German word Gestalt. It means the overall sense of something. And he says what it means about a person is that a person is has in himself an understanding that is not that is not physical. And so, let's think about this a little bit. I can, my senses, my hand can only pick up things that are physical. If there's a non-physical being here, I can't slap it. My, my hand doesn't connect with that. My eyes don't connect, my ears don't connect. None of my senses connect to non-physical things, by definition. Like that. And yet, I'm capable of thinking of abstract things. For instance, I can think 
when I think of a beheading, I have a picture of somebody beheading somebody. When I think of jail, I have a picture of somebody in jail. But when I think of justice, I think of a concept which started, yes, the guy who stole being beheaded, the guy who did good being rewarded, and so on. But, but I'm able to conceptualize it. That's something which is not physical. It's not animal. I, we postulate that an animal can't conceptualize. Animals may be able to count. Um, they have records of birds counting. But that counting is simple. One bird seed, two bird seed, three bird seeds, four bird seeds. That's nice. And so I can also say missing a bird seed. But I can't do number theories. Um, you know, it's, gonna, it's hard to double check that. We, we, we haven't had any birds and rolls in, 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 in mathematics departments. But I, I think everybody would agree. They can do physical type of representation. They have this thing about a crow, how, how much a crow can count. It goes as follows. It's a very neat experiment. They, they have a crow is very, very smart. A crow is actually a very shrewd bird. And if it sees a person going into a place, it won't go, it won't go there because it's afraid of the person. So if a person goes in and then the person goes out, the bird, after some pause, will fly into that place. Then they had two people go in and one person go out and the bird wouldn't go in until the second person came out. After five people, the bird's good at that. After five people, the bird is, is, uh, it gets mixed up and will sometimes fly in even when not. So that way they determined, that's, it's a very neat experiment. I want to tell you something else interesting. I want to tell you something fascinating. My, my, um, my children used to go in to sort of cheder, where the head of the cheder just passed away a few months ago, was an extraordinarily intuitive educator. He wasn't academically brilliant in any sense of the word, but his intuition about kids was marvelous. And he said, you know, he, would, he, didn't, he didn't move the kids along by age, but by development. So there was a pool of like a kindergarten type thing where he wouldn't teach reading. And then at a certain point, he would move them forward and teach reading. He would move you into the reading group. He said his rule of the thumb for when a kid is ready for reading is when you can count to five, you're ready to read. And I, I, I sort of found a, a clue for that in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Ben Chamesh, when a child is five, Lemikra, that's what he's reading. So I would sort of, so I thought, you know, Ben Chamesh, like, when he's got the concept of five, he's ready to read. But, but it's interesting. Reading is, is, is an exercise of conceptualization. Hieroglyphics, pictures, are not. So, bird, bird, plane, plane, th- those are just picture to picture. A reading is a very, very different type of activity. And, and, and it's, it's, it's in, in that sense, I don't remember who it was. Um, um, I think I do. And it was so. No, it was. One of the one of the French philosophers it, 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 um, described God as different from man in three areas. Oh, no, sorry, he described man as different from animals in three areas, and one of them was conceptualization, abstraction conceptualization, and that's what he says over here. 
in, in, it's an animal, and, and let's explain why that is, why it's so important. A computer, we never ever ever expect a computer to conceptualize. And the reason is as follows. Because a computer is a physical entity. And chop it, mix it, dice it how you wish. A computer is a way of counting blips. Electrical impulses, optical impulses, translated into a plus minus state. What can be done on a computer is an, 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 an endless amount of variations of that. But when he sees a picture, a picture is described to a computer. It can be a computer is a physical. It can be represented by um, a million pixels by a million pixels, on, off, on, off, on, off. That's what it can do. It, it, it cannot do more because that's all it is. It all it is a physical box with with physical representations. You, you, what you're doing is you're capturing a, a physical entity and describing it in a physical entity. So, so what you're doing is you're taking a face and and translating it into a light, which is fine. A concept is translating into a different world, and that's something that you can't really do. Um, and and it's it, for instance when Google translates, um, what, what Google does is it translates either word for word. Um, my kids came back from the zoo, and they, my kids, my grandchildren were here from Israel. Some of my grandchildren were here from Israel for Pesach. Some took the zoo, and they came back and they told me they, they saw a chotel, an animal called a chotel. And I rack my brain. I know Hebrew well, and I'm 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 definitely with it. There is no animal called chotem. The word chotem with a tet, which means a nose, but there's no animal. And I'm trying to. There is chomet, but what's chotem? And he said, no. They saw chotem, 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 and I don't rack my brains. And and he spelled for me ches chotem, and I, I can't figure anything out. It doesn't make any sense to me. Then I said, well, what does it look like? And they described a seal. They were in the animals for a seal. And then it dawned them, he said, how do you know it's a chotem? They said, they typed it into the smartphone. So they have Google translation. S-E-A-L, when a seal like on a piece of paper, in Hebrew is a chotem. A seal as an animal doesn't have a real Hebrew translation. It's called Kelav Yam, a dog of the sea. That's that's what they translated as. So, so the computer translated the word. When he translates better than that, what he does is statistically, how many times does a person use this word in conjunction with this word? And does it make sense? And and um, it, that's that's what a computer. So so what it does is it it, it, it it simply again it's taking to conceptualize and come up with concepts like. Justice, love, beauty—those are things that are, are physical, that are non-physical, and only a person is able to do that. And in that way, he's, he's godlike. He will have a mind that can understand concepts, ideas that are not physical. And in a certain sense, that means he is of that nature. Um, a child, when he's immature, cannot conceptualize things that he doesn't belong to. The world 
world of feelings and 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 attitudes that he, that he's not privy to in his own self, he can't conceptualize the others. We're not talking about the physical appearance of a person, like we said before, that's called a Torah. Next, it also doesn't mean the biological life force that any animal has. An animal does have a life force, with which it eats, drinks, gives birth, and senses, and can think. So an animal also has a thought process. An animal has emotions on a simple level. And, and, and that is not also not Salomalukim. Deya is the tsura that's called nefesh. In other words, um, it's something which is a a, a, um, a the sense of things, my sense of things of non-physical entities. And many times this is called nefesh beruach. He says um, this 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 surah uh, 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 that he's that he's talking about is sometimes called nefesh in a pasuk, something called ruach. For instance, the thing that is most common, the word nefesh in the Torah can mean different things. The word neshama does not appear in the Torah, really. The word that appears is nefesh. Nefesh can mean the unique the unique dea that is Adam. Nefesh can be referring to a person's highest faculties. And Nefesh can refer to the simple biological life force that isn't any... And the Ramam says, and therefore, just looking at the word and trying to translate it with a Google translator is not good. You need to look at the context in the verse. And therefore he says, don't bring it down. It's, it's also true. There are a lot of words in Hebrew. People make this mistake. There have many synonyms, and people will sometimes try to define it specifically, but if only one term is mentioned, then many times it's generic. So when I say Chachmas Adam, well, in wisdom we have three, four, five different synonyms. We have Chachma, we have Deya, we have Bina, we have Haskel. But Tvuna, so when we have a few of them together, then we understand that each one is unique. When we use one of them, many times it's a generic use, and you can't over um, you, you can't overburden it with specific meanings. It's not right. Okay, he says. Um, this surah of the nefesh, this part of the person we're talking about, is not a compound. It's not something which needs a, 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 a certain specific entity. This is So this sense of a person that is able to relate to non-physical entities comes from Hashem. 
Lefikah, Kishiyabarei Agolam, Shemchumen Hesodos, Bitaovid Aneshama. So when a person loses this life force in him, when he dies, his body is gone. What we call Neshama, and he's speaking about Neshama in a lower sense, and Neshama is simply the casing, it's the mind for that. But the understanding that the person has does not become destroyed. So the understandings that as a person has gathered in his lifetime, the awareness, the knowledge, understanding does not become destroyed with the body or even with the, what he calls neshama. So, the, the, if we can, if we can, I guess, picture it. There's the goof, which is the physical body as we have it. There's the neshama, which is the life force, and so to speak, the the the, the, the person's um, it contains in itself this dea, and then we have the etzem dea, that which the person knows and understands, and therefore it is um, it's something which is indestructible because by definition it's not of the same nature as the physical things that get destroyed. I want to add one Nakuda here. In, 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 in the Torah, unlike other places, physical indulgence is always is seen as being counterproductive to um, understanding, to wisdom. It's something that we, 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 on some ways we can lay, some ways it's strange. In other words, someone's to tell me, you know, if you're going to keep eating a lot, you, you'll never do well in physics. It doesn't make any sense, really. I mean, maybe if you spend your time in the bar, or, you know, the, the time you're spending McDonald's in the bar, maybe you're not going to be at the laboratory. Maybe if you eat a lot, you'll be very tired and sleepy. I don't know, you know, but, but it doesn't seem to us, there is a correlation. Somehow people that are very, very, that are gluttons have their minds someplace else. But, but, but it doesn't seem for us. And yet, in a, in a Torah sense, we, we look at it. In other words, the, the Rambam's understanding, especially Rambam's understanding of the Torah drawing back from the physical is so that the person um, be more spiritual. And we don't have a problem. People can eat well and still be a very nice guy. Uh, as a matter of fact, Julius Caesar felt that. You know, skinny people are always suspect. They're kind of mean and unhappy people. They're happy, you know, heavy set people tend to be nice and you know, throw a party for the boys. <laughs> but the Rambam saying is a person in a, the Rambam who sees everything in this in, through the idea of pure seichel. A person either he either draws his his being from the physical. Indulging in a physical scent is a person in the physical. Does this taste good? Does this not taste good? Um, what's the taste? What's the smell? What's the feel? Or a person can draw back and say, when a person says it was a wonderful wedding, for one person he's talking about the food and the, and the, and the comfort of seats. For a second person it's the people you rub shoulders with. For a third person it's the sense of the simcha, of, of the event, and so on. So in 
in terms of, of where the person's heart lies, having it lie in, 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 in the physical is seen as, as contradicting. So, so, so the conceptual to him is not his self. In the Rambam, the, 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 the self that becomes immortal is that self that never really is, 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 is dealing with the physical per se. Um, so the part of a person that really is conceptual and deals with God and everything like it stays forever. This is what Shlomo taught us in his wisdom. When he speaks, it says the earth comes back to the ground. And man's spirit goes back to God. Um, in 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 um, it goes back to God in uh, who gave it. So in other words, at the end of the day, things go back to where they belong. The physical self of a person um, disintegrates and goes back to the ground. It's of the same substance as the ground. And the part of the person that is not physical, this is not its place. It's it's going back to a place where it was, and that's with Akharish Baruch. I, I want to add just a side point, and we'll finish with that. Um, there's a um, there's a fascinating Ramban on this week's Sedra. And the, Ram, the, Ramban, um, the, the Ramban deals with the question, why is Olam Haba not mentioned in the Torah? That a person's soul goes to Olam Haba, why is that mentioned in the Torah? Those are in one place. And this week, Sedra, he, he says something in line with that. Um, he, he says, you know, in, in the past week, Sedra, it speaks about Torahs. That if you do certain types of sins, your soul is cut off from God. So the Ramban says, that this is it's a profound message of positive message of inspiration it says that if you do this and this sin these, these sins your soul gets cut off from God this is what it means is that the, the divine and the Olamhaba is not a reward for being good being cut off is a punishment for doing bad. It's like if I were to come to you and to say, you know, I have a tree, and the tree is, has a branch on it with, with really great fruit and beautiful flowers and stuff like that, how, how do I get that branch to stay there? And my answer is, you don't need to get it to stay there. You need to make sure it doesn't get cut off. The part, the part of us that is Olam Haba worthy is divine. It's Olam Haba worthy because it's there. The only thing that can happen to it is it can get, it can get, it can, it can snap off. In other words, with, we are Shayak Olam Haba because we're a Chelek Alokai. We have a divine spark in us. The, the only difference between that and God is that it's a branch, which means that it's not viable on its own. It needs to constantly be attached to the root. So a branch is different than the tree itself. The tree itself has its own root system and it's self-viable. The branch is latching onto the tree, but as long as the branch has good sense to stay on the tree, the branch is in good shape. It's only when it separates itself that we have a problem. 
so, so, so Ramban says, um, A, this is a phenomenally good, it means we're there. It's, we, we just have to make sure not to lose it. That's one part of it. And then when he speaks about why the Torah doesn't mention Olam Haba, the, the, if the Torah was a sales book and saying, okay, guys, you got to be Jewish and keep Torah because, you know, here it is. We're giving out you know, portions of Olam Haba. Come get your portion of Olam Haba. So if that was the Torah, then of course the Torah should really jazz up Olam Haba and say, this is what you get. The Torah says is the book of truth. And it describes things as they are. The truth is we are divine and we are Shaykh Olam Haba. The Torah says there, we do have the possibility of breaking it, of snapping off. So the Torah is not going to mention why a person has Olam Haba, because that is, so to speak, a natural state of affairs. What the Torah is going to talk is, uh, the Torah is going to describe um, an unnatural state of affairs, which is breaking it, getting rid of it. Okay, we'll hold it here. Okay. Good.